the girl. Hockey game is the best game you can name. And the best game you can name is the good old hockey game. And here we go. Line brawl to start this game. Jeremy Lablotsky and John Morassi teeing off on one another. Toporowski is just pounding away at Robinson. These, he said Toporowski, this is the guy who set a Western Hockey League record for 505 penalty minutes. Let's call it like it is. Toporowski's a boon. Getting closer, he reaches in a right right back. He's not Scott Ripson. He's just fought. Stu Grimson. Oh my goodness. Scott Parker for the KO of Stu Grimson. He- this is one of the best hockey fights we have seen in a long time. Dana Bush tells the linesman, get the heck out of my kitchen. He absolutely decked him tight with a wild right. The sheer stagger by a big left hand by Wayne Bielek. Chris Nyland on a penalty shot. Score! Bugard down the wing. Bugard falls away. Score! Number 47 from Boston. Both guys, five minutes each for fighting. Hello, everybody, and thank you for tuning in to episode number 34 of the Five for Fighting podcast. My name is Alec, your host, and this is the show where we focus on the players who drop the gloves and, of course, the fans who love to watch them do it. Today's guest is one Mr. Doug Mann. Doug fought a lot of tough dudes that we go over. He fought in the Sunshine League, the Dub, and then even the uh, the old Southern Pro League or the CHL at the time, I believe, and that was with uh, a lot of fights with Columbus. And, of course, uh, those listening, if you've listened to the previous episodes, of course, with Tom Wilson, um, no, it's not the Tom Wilson you're thinking of, but he goes over being teammates with him and kind of growing up with him. So hearing a lot of a lot of fun stuff from uh, Doug in this one, and he was even kind of an inspiration. Well, I shouldn't say an inspiration because they kind of got it wrong. But uh, if you go on to uh, what's it called? It's like the it's like the hockey DB for for movies. I think it's IMDMB or something like that. The fun facts or whatever for the movie Goon. His goal is noted in there, and it was the the time where Doug scored off his ass in the playoffs. So uh, Doug's on there. Uh, of course, Doug, man, not Doug Glatt. But he his goal is listed on there. But, of course, it, it actually all went off of something else. I believe it was like his shin or something like that. We'll have to, uh, I can't quite remember from the interview. But nonetheless, uh, he was he's listed on there. So if you go check out the Goon IMDb, you'll see Doug Mann's goal listed on there. So it's a little fun fact and uh, kind of funny, actually. So, no, like I said, had a lot of fun with this one, and sorry this is a little bit late getting out. Like I said, normally I I, um, I always like to release these on Tuesday, but I've uh, been backed up with work lately and been swinging a hammer and breaking up a lot of concrete these past two days, and in Florida heat and humidity, ooh, not fun. <laughs> but just happy to be working at least, so I can't complain too much. Um, but no, so like I said, I've been actually pretty tired the past couple of days, so I, I apologize, but nonetheless releasing it today well i guess today's technically tuesday but i've done this i've done this the past two weeks uh, i try to get it released on tuesday tuesday morning but i end up releasing it tuesday night but either way content's coming out so that's all that matters um and also in the back burner i got interviews the next one that's coming out next week will be with chris McAllister, nhl tough guy and that was a lot of fun interviewing him and uh talks about some of the he fought some big boys so talks about a lot of the fights like uh you know scott parker and guys like that um so be on the lookout for that one next week. And then in the week after that, I got Craig Stahl coming on. So, you know, we had almost three, I think it was three hours of an interview with Craig Stahl. So that went on for a while, and that was a lot of fun. 
So, um, yeah, I got some content and got some got some interviews. I, I probably won't be able to get an interview done this week, unfortunately. Uh, but like I said, I got two interviews in the back burner anyway, so I think it'll be all right. But just pretty busy with work, and I got beer league tomorrow and Wednesday. Yeah, I got to go. Got to flex the ankles and get the bender going. So, <laughs> but um, no, like I said, got some content for you guys. So hopefully, uh, hopefully everybody will enjoy it and give us a listen. But, um, you know, not too much on this intro. I'll make it quick here. But, you know, got to give the shout-out to the usual cronies and the, the usual suspects in the lineup there, and that's, of course, Darren over at the Fourth Line Voice. Um, he just had an episode, I believe he just re-released, excuse me, the episode with Chris Waltz. So that one is out, and you can go back and listen to that one, and that one is awesome. Uh, Waltz was a tough, tough dude. Um, <clears throat> and he was actually on another podcast, of course, I mentioned, is the Bucket Drop Podcast, and Darren was just on there for the Top 10 LNAH Enforcers, and that was a lot of cool listening to that one, and I'm I'm up to two. I got I got up to the final two, I think. Yep, yeah, that's what it was, the final two today in the car ride, and then got home, so I might, I might have just listened to it after this intro, just to hear, uh, hear who his top two answers are, but... Yeah, so that came out. It had part one last week and then part two on the bucket drop this week. So a lot of fun with that. I always enjoy, especially LNH talk, but uh, always enjoy Enforcer talk naturally. So, um, but no, go check that one out and go check out Joe Lazito over at the Coliseum Chronicles. And Joe actually just released a merchandise store. So that's pretty cool. And you can go get your, uh, excuse me, Coliseum Chronicles merchandise. Uh, you can check it out. I want to say he's doing a sale today. And he does stuff uh, just for today. And it's a coupon code for uh, 15% off, I think it is, which I think it's actually a coupon code Vukoda. So <laughs> got to love it, keeping the enforcer even in the coupon code. That's fucking brilliant. But um yeah, and also, you know, speaking of Fourth Line Voice, he is doing the Bob Probert Invitational, the fourth annual. And, you know, those listening, you might be wondering, what the hell is the Bob Probert Invitational? It's a 64-man competition, uh, enforcer competition on Twitter that he runs. And so he basically puts together 64 enforcers um, all through the NHL, and he kind of interchanges some guys uh, year by year. But basically it's a big bracket and it's kind of like March Madness. I think that's normally when he releases it is when March Madness is kind of going on, but of course with COVID and everything's changed a little bit, but nonetheless, so you basically go in there and there's hypothetical matchups of guys who have never fought. Uh, there's some tough ones out there too. Believe me. I mean, fuck, uh, round one drew George LaRock and Dave Brown. So have fun trying to decide between that one. That's a tough one, but basically hypothetical matchups. Sometimes guys have already faced their opponents. Sometimes they don't. So that's the fun part about it. You get in there and discuss everything. And uh, for just a week and a half or so, it, it sheds some light on the enforcer and you get to have a lot of fun with that. So the, the guys who have kind of been forgotten in the game get brought up for a week and a half. And a lot of people are involved and um, a lot of players are involved too. A lot of players enjoy it. You know, I saw Todd Fedorik talking about it and some uh, Flyers writer talking about it. So, uh, no, it's good to get the voice names out there and get the discussion going because you always talk about McDavid, Crosby, Ovechkin. Well, just for a week and a half, we'll, uh, like I mentioned before, we'll pull that old book off the shelf, as I say, and get it, give it a good read and listen to the enforcers and, uh, you know, vote for them and shine some light on them for a little bit. And, you know, speaking of that, you know, I was thinking about not doing this, but I'm going to fucking do it anyway. <clears throat> So some asshole wanted to tweet at Darren um, and, you know, basically shit on the competition. And, of course, what does he have to do? He has to go and at fucking Carcillo. Um, shocker. 
And it's funny, it's ironic because the whole reason Darren does that tournament and people uh, participate in it is to get going and talk, or excuse me, get to talking uh, about the boys and get conversation going. Because the, the, excuse me, can't even talk, fucking mush mouth over here. <clears throat> um, but no, the NHL and a lot of fans like to sweep that under the rug. Oh, it's the dark times, or those guys were plugs or goons or idiots. Oh, he's going to sit there and tweet it there, and oh, he's, it's a competition to see who can get killed the fastest. Are you seeing this shit, car bomb? Fuck you, buddy. Seriously? The entire reason we're doing it, or I should say Darren's doing it, but all of us on the, the group, parti- or not group, the uh, the fight group-ish, I guess, our, our knit group on Twitter. There we go. Jesus. Um, the whole reason you do it is to shed some light on the boys, and Bring them up for a change because, like I said, it's always about Crosby, McDavid, and Ovechkin. Not saying that it shouldn't be. They're the superstars of the game. But for the love of God, it's to not get those guys swept under the rug and get their names out there. And this guy wants to sit there and try to shit on them and shit on the whole thing. Oh, it's so stupid and blah, blah, blah. And then he he goes on the bucket drops tweet, which uh, Bobby over there tweeted about Darren being on as a guest because I believe that episode was just released today. And goes on there and wants to try to call everything out. Like, fuck you, dude. Everybody, it's it's always these fucking idiots that sit there. Sorry, I'm probably going to use a lot of F-bombs here just how I am once I get going. Um, But, no, these fucking idiots, they sit there and they think they're doing something. Oh, I'm the white knight. Look at this car bomb. It's like fucking, it's like going and tattletailing to the teacher. Like, oh, teacher, teacher, look, he did it. Fuck you, dude. Seriously. And that's the only time that's the only time they give a shit about these guys. You know, I'm not saying we're the end all be all of enforcers, whether it's podcast or it's, you know, us just bullshitting about it, even on Facebook. But seriously, we're the ones who bring light to them and give them the time of day when others won't. But the only time they'll fucking sit there and act like they give a shit is when they could get their shining night moment and fucking sit there and tweet at Carcillo like they're doing something good. Yet they don't realize that the whole reason for that competition is to fucking bring those guys to the limelight a little bit. And it's funny because the players he's sitting there, he thinks he's protecting, they're participating in it. They're, they're giving their feedback like, oh, fuck, yeah, he would shit can me. Or, oh, yeah, I, I beat him a couple times. Or, you know, talking about their teammates. Oh, I played with so-and-so, so this fight would be cool. You know, it's, it's shit like that. But meanwhile, we have idiots on Twitter, and this is the reason I fucking can't stand Twitter. Luckily, we have our little niche fight community there. That was the word I was looking for earlier, not group community um that's the whole reason that they're on there is to sit there and talk about it because nobody else will but now you know here comes fucking joe schmo wanting to sit there and act like he's doing something good and of course anytime anything enforcement is brought up or fighting oh here you go here carcillo look at this look at this look what they're saying fuck off dude like oh my god you know, fuck, it's it's just so frustrating because everybody wants to act like they fucking care, but what do they do? They don't give a shit. They don't go out of their way to give a fuck about these guys. They give a fuck about a quick tweet to make it look like they give a shit and act like they're fucking progressive. So guys with that, you just if if any of you listen to this podcast, which I highly doubt, but in all honesty, fuck you. Like, <laughs> God, it just gets my blood boiling. I don't know if it's this hot, the Florida sun that's getting to me, you know, working outside a couple days in a row here, uh, busting up concrete. But holy fuck, I was just I don't know. It just it just really makes me mad because like they like I said, they just think they're doing something good. And of course, got to go to the white knight on Twitter, which I've had guys on here. They'll tell you what they think about Carcillo. And I promise you, and I'm not saying Carcillo is wrong. There's parts of his argument I agree with. 
the way he goes about it, and I'm not talking about the hazing. The hazing is a completely different animal. I'm not going to get into because I, I don't know anything about that or what Aki's or like what, what might have gone on with that. So I, I'm not talking about the hazing stuff he's talking about. I'm talking about the brain injuries and the CTE and the fighting and everything like that. And I've got guys on here on both my show and Darren's and over at fourth or excuse me, um, Joe over at Coliseum Chronicles. Had guys on there a lot more fights than Carcillo, and they'll fucking they'll tell you exactly how they feel about him. Mike Segroy is a perfect fucking example, and he's even called him out on Facebook and everything like that. And I think Segroy uh, maybe be a little bit more credible than Carcillo. Now, again, I'm not saying brain injuries can't happen from fighting because I'm not oblivious to it. I, you know, this is my hobby, this is my passion, this is what I look into. So obviously, I know shit can happen with it. That's not what I'm saying, but. The fact is, the players themselves, and I know a couple are on Costillo's side, which is great because absolutely awareness for CTE and traumatic brain injuries should be addressed. I'm not saying that at all. What I'm saying is, you know, when people look at that like that's the only opinion that matters. Oh, look at this, Carcillo. Look what they're saying. Look what they're, they're, they're promoting fighting. They're, they're glorifying violence. No, fuck you, dude. Seriously, if they go back and listen to my podcast, Darren's podcast, or Joe over at the Coliseum Chronicles, even the bucket shop he's had enforcers on, You'll know exactly what we're trying to get at. And I, I promise you, we're not just saying this just because we love to glorify the fights. Yes, you know, a good hockey fight is fucking awesome. But at the same time, the whole purpose is to appreciate the boys who did the role and everything like that. But it just goes completely over their head and they would just want to feel progressive. So shit like that just fucking irritates me. And whew, I think I'll leave it at that. <laughs> Sorry to get worked up over here on this intro, but it had to be addressed because it was literally fucking it was pissing me off. But um Anyways, like I said, go participate in the uh, the Bob Probert Invitational. It's a 64-man tournament. I think round one is almost over. The first half, I know some of the brackets didn't get saved, so Darren had to go back and redo it. Um, but nonetheless, go check that out. If you're not on Twitter, go make a Twitter account just for that competition and delete it so you don't see any of that other bullshit. Go make a Twitter account and participate in that competition. Um, but... Also with that, you know, is talking about Joe's uh, store for the Coliseum Chronicles. Uh, I got something in the works right now for possible merchandise. Um, you know, I haven't looked too, too deep into it. I got the prototype for the shirt on the way. So uh, might get a little bit of merch coming your guys' way. And uh, it, if if all goes well and I could figure out, you know, kind of how much it's going to cost and everything like that, I might even try to get some players involved with it and, you know, talk about putting some of their stuff or like their pictures or some of their fight photos on the shirts. Um, and of course they'll get, uh, what's it called? Royalties, residuals, uh, they'll get their, they'll get their cut is what I'm trying to say. Um, so no, I, you know, I got something in the works now. It's nothing crazy, but, um, we got, we got another store with over, over, over there with, um, Chris Banity, of course, everybody's favorite, uh, favorite guy in that me, Darren and, uh, Chris episode. The, I forget what, I think it was just the round table is what we called it. But, um, yeah, so I got, got something in the works with that and hopefully all works out. I just got to do some number crunching. I think once, uh, once push comes to shove, but, um, Anyways, I'll plug in the uh, the social media real quick, and I'll get you on your way. I fucking already went on my little tangent and uh, had to bitch and moan about shit for a second. Um, <clears throat> but anyways, so you go check out the Instagram account. It's just spelled out normally, Five for Fighting Pod. I post fight videos. I post clips of the podcast. Uh when episodes are up, same thing on every platform. I always post when, whenever, you know, the podcast comes out or anything, but you know, if you're on one social media or more there than others, excuse me, one social media more than others, then why not go give it a follow? So of course on Twitter, it is just at the number five and then four fighting pod. Uh, that's where I'm probably most active as far as, you know, getting stuff out, uh, and tweeting a bit. And then on Facebook, you can give the 
Facebook page a like, which is just Five for Fighting Podcast. Give it a, a uh, type up in the search bar. Give it a like and a follow, and you'll be up to date on everything there on Facebook. And while you're at it, go join the Enforcer Appreciation Group, and that is a group dedicated to the tough guys, and obviously it, it is what it, uh, exactly how it sounds. Or Excuse me. Jesus Christ. Apparently I can't even talk this intro. Um but no, it's enforced appreciation, so I wonder what it could be about, right? Uh, but no, we have a lot of former players in there, constant discussion on tough guys, enforcers, uh, you know, this fight, that fight, or top five of this person's list, top five of that guy's list. So i uh, got a lot of former players in there, and lots of fight fans. We're up to almost 11,000 members now, so... Um, I've changed the name before because it used to be Best Enforcers in Hockey Fights, I think, but I wanted to kind of weed out some of the idiots, so we changed it to Enforcer Appreciation. And I think it's really done a good job. The page hasn't grown quite as fast as it was before, but that's because I think people more so know what this group is for, and it's not just for fucking Billy Joe on the couch to go call uh, Ty Domi a fucking plug. But um, And last but not least, do me a favor, rate and review the show. It really helps the podcast grow. Uh, I think we're up to 30, 30 reviews now on the Apple Podcast. Oh, I think the fiance's home, so that might be where the dog is barking. Uh, but we're up to, you know, 30 reviews over on the uh, iTunes and Give it a give it a like or review whatever one star five stars so uh, like I said just go give a review review it really helps the podcast grow but other than that uh, thank you guys for tuning in hope you enjoy and here is Doug Man everybody all right today's guest on the Five for Fighting podcast we have a guy who managed to rack up one thousand eight hundred and forty two career penalty minutes he played a couple games in the OHL. He had a season in the ECHL, and he even played quite a few seasons for the Columbus Cotton Mouse out in the CHL, and that is one Mr. Doug Mann. Doug, how you doing today, brother? Not bad. How are you? Oh, fantastic. And, you know, we were talking before we got going here, and we got stories for days so far, and just the uh, just the stories before that we hit record here, uh, it's going to be a fucking riot. So uh, everybody strap in your seatbelts here. This is going to be a good one, I think. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Um, well, before we get going into your career a little bit, uh, you know, what do you do now? Like, so what, what's, uh, what's Doug man up to today? So, uh, right now I'm doing uh home remodeling and I flip houses in Columbus, Georgia, met my wife while I played here and never left. Well, there you go. Fucking a, a lot of people, it's always, it seems like that a lot of people that live down or like, I guess, uh, played hockey down South. They never want to go. Um, so I get probably get away from all the cold up there in Canada and I'm, it's vice versa for me because, uh, <laughs> I want to get away from all this damn heat down here in Florida. I'm so over it. It was just like 92 degrees with like 80% humidity today. Just fucking miserable. But I'm sure it's a good change for you since you were up in Ontario, eh? Well, I mean, man, I came down to the States back in the early 90s. Uh, I went to Lakeland, and uh, and I haven't left. <laughs> I mean, I've, I basically stayed down here. And the way my body's uh, handling uh, post-retirement, I mean, I can't move. I don't know what it would be like being minus 21 degree weather or whatever i mean i'm pretty happy where i'm at in georgia even though it's hot yeah well at least in georgia you kind of get a little bit of winter for the most part in florida you get like especially in like the tampa area you get like a week and a half of winter and then it's back to like fucking hellfire <laughs> so out there in georgia i think yeah. it's a little bit a little bit nicer but um no it's beautiful up there um well you know you were born in rexdale ontario and well, I guess before we get going, I, you know, we said it before. You got to give a shout out to the Rexdale boys. So explain to everybody what that kind of is and the the riff raff you were hanging out. I guess. Well, like so, the best way to explain it is uh, my wife 
you know, I met her after my 97, 98 season here in Columbus and she, uh, took her home to Canada first time, you know, trying to woo her. <laughs> so she comes in a hundred miles out. One of our buddies, uh, dad passed away. And, uh, so this is the first time she's coming to Canada. I'm going, Oh shit. So anyways, this guy, um, Marty Wallace, our good buddies, one of the Rexville skids. That's what they called us. And, uh, man, his dad used to drive me. So my, I grew up with my mom, my sister, my grandma, and my mom never had a driver's license. So my mom, like, busted her ass in a factory and did everything. She, like, my sister couldn't even go to dance because she had to pay for my hockey. So, anyways, 100 miles out, this, this Roger Wallace, who passed away, he uh, he drove me to almost every game, picked me up, and he was like, you know, just a godsend to my mom because obviously, if not, we'd have to take the bus everywhere. So we're, uh, you know, we're 100 miles out, and he passed away. I go, shit. So <laughs> my wife, being a Southern Baptist, you know, we we get everything's getting together. A couple of days later, you know, we go visit my dad, and then we have to go to the uh, the funeral home on the funeral day. And lo and behold, all the Rexo boys were in the funeral home drinking in the parking lot, just having a big party. <laughs> and uh, my wife's going, oh, my God, Doug, what is going on here? And then lo and behold, the cop comes pulling up. And he goes, hey, sorry about your loss. Make sure you put the empties away, boys. <laughs> <laughs> and so my wife's going, oh, my God, like, what is going on? What did I just get into? And then that's when she started realizing, like, She's never seen any bigger bond than us Rexel boys. Like, I mean, I got anyone from uh, uh, hockey players that were good that, you know, never should. I mean, they just never took the next step to make it. Like, our buddy uh, Chris Reitmeyer, he's a phenomenal hockey player, probably way better than Tom and I, but just didn't know it and just took the wrong, you know, angle. And then we got a buddy, Chris Petrie, that, uh, you know, his first time getting laid, he said oh she's from buffalo you don't know her i mean we all have a friend like that right <laughs> <laughs> exactly yeah and, you don't know her yeah well he's famous for this you know this guy was an all all provincial wrestler and and all that and um we used to you know hang out at his apartment play some euchre you know euchre is a canadian game but i mean i gotta i gotta give a shout out to mikey smith the only the smallest tough guy we know greener um, like these guys, I'm literally, they're threatening me right now if I don't, uh, plug them away. <laughs> and obviously, obviously Tom and, and man, there's about 15 of us there that, uh, we just all grew up together. And, and I mean, I'm 46, both be 47 and we all, we're all tight. Um, now I don't get any, uh, compliments when I go home being 30 pounds overweight now, 40 pounds maybe. So when I go home, my ego is a little shot down because that little prick Petrie, I'm telling you, if you knew him, he'd, uh, he'd put you in your place. He calls you out on everything. He knows every stat. He knows every – I mean, he's just that guy. So, <laughs> Well, there you go. And, of course, you know, the guys you didn't mention, I'm sure you're going to get shit for it too. So <laughs> you got that to look forward to know, next I, time you go home. They know I'm not a quick thinker. <laughs> right on, man. Well, you know, get into your career a little bit. So when did you kind of start playing hockey, man? Well, here's the deal. Like I was raised by my mom and my sister and my grandma. So my mom puts me in freaking uh, Cub Scouts when I was like, I don't know, eight or nine. And uh, I'm going, okay, that's fine. So 
it finally, you know, all my buddies are playing hockey, like, uh, um, and I'm like, well, I guess my mom just doesn't want me to go in hockey. So I'm, I'm going door to door, uh, selling apples or something for Cub Scouts. And then all of a sudden my buddy, Doug Burgoyne, our RIP passed away. Um, but he, uh, he said, Doug, why don't you come play hockey? I said, I want to, but I don't know if my mom could afford it. And so anyways, that he, he's the one who got me started. Um, a little background on Doug, just to give him a little thing. He ended up uh, being on that dragon's den and got full, full, uh, investment, um, to dragon's den. Um, he owns a company called, uh, frog box and, uh, dragon's den is the Canadian version of shark tank. Oh, okay. okay. So he ended up being a very successful guy. Well, he had a, he, when he was, I, I can't remember. It was two weeks before he turned 40 or two weeks after he, he got, uh, a rare case of, uh, um, and I, I'm going to sound stupid if I try to mention it and I don't want to disrespect him, but cancer and, uh, man, he passed away quick and man, that's my long, long childhood buddy, but he's the one who started the journey in hockey and basically called me a sissy for not playing it. <laughs> and, uh, and, uh, so anyways, that's where it started. And my mom just, you know, she, she did whatever she could. She, my sister had to stop dance and, all that tap, I think it was tap dancing or something. And all of a sudden, I started playing hockey. You know, my first year I scored eight goals. Second year, seventy three. It was house league now. So. Yeah. <laughs> hey, it's it's a league, right? You fucking potted them. That's all that matters, right? <laughs> right. And you know, my mom. So in in Toronto, you know, like so Rexdale's a part of Toronto, right? It's North Toronto, and there's rinks every ten feet. So. Um, we played at a place called Albion Arena or Pine Point. So Pine Point, we had to take a bus, me and my mom, and or Albion Arena. You know, it's just uh, walking distance. But, you know, back then our games are at 6 in the morning, 7 in the morning. So my mom made a lot of sacrifice doing that. So that's where I got started playing hockey. Um, and then it just evolved from there. Well, there you go. And you actually ended up in the old CJHL with uh, Brockville. What was that first season like for you, man? Well, if we back up just a little bit with the Brockville thing, so I come out of uh, I'm playing for the Mississauga Blackhawks, and again, my whole career is on insecurity. I didn't know I was a good hockey player. I didn't know I was tough. I didn't know even even on my personal life, I didn't know I was tough off the street. You know, like um, so. What happened is I come out of Westwood Arena after a game playing for Mississauga Blackhawks and. He's, this old guy and another guy comes up to me and says, "Hey, you know, we're uh, we're with the Sioux Greyhounds. Uh, we're thinking about taking you um, pretty good, pretty high." And I said, "Well, you know who you're talking. I mean, I'm Doug Mann. Are you sure you got the right guy?" And I said, "Well, they said, yeah, we got you." So, anyways, uh, they came to my house, and you know, they came up, and I mean, my there was walls caving into my apartment, a high-rise apartment. I mean, we. My mom did the best she can, but I mean, it was, it was pretty uh, rough where we lived. And so anyways, they, they took me in the fourth round. So the, the unfortunate thing with me, and this is a big scar in my hockey career. This is where it stemmed a lot of anger. And the reason I, I really believe this is where I got tough, where tough to my ability anyways. So I don't want to disrespect the other tough guys in the, that you on your podcast, but I got drafted 53rd overall. It was a uh, 52nd pick was to Sault Ste. Marie. They used Sean Ember. 
Um, and then I was 53rd. So I was part of that long drawn out after the money, after the players, everything on the Lindros deal. Uh, 53rd pick went to Oshawa. Well, they used it, you know, they traded that to Sault Ste. Marie during that Lindros. Like I said, I'm, <laughs> I was way down on the end of the trade, you know, fourth round draft pick. So anyways, I went to Sault Ste. Marie. Well, I didn't fit in. I mean, I, I've, I've been on a hundred teams. Uh, I fit in everywhere. I was probably one of the most liked guys in there, most abused guy in the dressing room. And I had fun, but for some reason, the Sault Ste. Marie, that was not my fit. Um, they just traded with the Oshawa generals who just won the Memorial cup. So I literally played four games and maybe had 20 seconds of ice time. And that set that didn't set well for me for a long time. Like I was really insecure about that. Go home. The Rexdale buddies are real sympathetic. Yeah, you, know, you got cut. Ted Nolan cut you. Ted Nolan was the coach there. So that that kind of stemmed my my anger. And, and I wanted to be a fighter. Like I said, never again am I going to be in that position where I, if I'm not good enough to make a team, I'm just going to beat up someone. <laughs> well, there you go. That'll that'll get you noticed too. <laughs> you might even yeah. make the team doing that. I'm sure you did, actually. <laughs> right. Well, I mean, like I said, I lasted. Uh, you know, I stuck around that season, but I did not play. We went to the Memorial Cup. Did not play. I wasn't around the team. I didn't fit in the team. But I was just sitting around like a lost puppy, and I'm like, man, why can I not play on this team? I, I felt if I got drafted anywhere else, I would have been able to play, and. I just didn't fit in, man. It was just a bad mix, and and I held a, held a lot of anger there for years, and it was. Um, but it helped me later on in my pro career because some of the players I played against, I, I took it out on. <laughs> Absolutely, and um, so you actually ended up on the Brampton Capitals after that. Uh, you know, how was your experience in Brampton? <clears throat> well, Brampton. Uh, so after that, they sent me to Brockville to Saint Marie. And I went there, and it was just a bad experience. Uh, they put me with the trainer, and something wasn't right there, you know. And I'm not going to, you know, get all – I mean, I don't know what I can and cannot say, but there was, something, there was another player with me and the trainer, and something wasn't right there. Um, and I did not see anything because I would have fronted anything out, but it just wasn't right. And so I just said, screw that. I told the coach, fuck that, I'm going to, I'm going to Brampton. Um, back home, you know, Brampton's outside of Toronto, which is a couple minutes away from Rexdale. So I went to Rex, I mean, cause I got called up to Brampton earlier. So, you know, they, I knew the coach and all that. And so I went back, I mean, I played with some good players. I mean, I'm, I'm sure eventually I'll have a guy, Roger Maxwell on the team, Mike Henderson. I mean, we had a tough team. Yeah. You're in my, you're in my notes here. Those are the two guys I was going to ask you about. And of course, Roger Maxwell, a tough motherfucker did it for years. And then Mike yeah. Henderson, um, I'm sure you've seen it, but he is really good on that Les Chiefs documentary. The, uh, the old one on the Laval Chiefs, if you've ever seen that, but he was really good in that too. Well, Mike, Mike was one of our better players and Roger Maxwell was young. So he, he, he wasn't anything. I mean, is there a, cause I played there a few years. Uh, Sean Bigger, he was our toughest guy. Do you see Sean Bigger on there? Yes, yes, I do. Um, yeah, he was a killer. And matter of fact, we were in the playoffs against Caledon, which Tom Wilson played against, and we we have a line brawl against him. And <laughs> Tom, I mean, he he fought anyone, but he got uh, tangled up with Bigger, and I'm like, oh boy. And uh, but I mean, no one else is sticking up for you know on Tom's team. They're all running. 
and uh, you know Tom did okay. Um, Sean Bigger got the little best of him, but uh, you know it took balls for him to fight Sean Bigger because Tom knew about how tough he was and and all that stuff. Um, but we we had a killer team. We ended up winning the championship, beating Caledon. But then after the championship, we go and play other other leagues. I guess like uh, so, we ended up going against the Barry Colts that were undefeated, and we got swept in that. But anyways, we won our league. But then you know we didn't go further than that. Right, and so well the next year, man, you ended up with Milton, and you know what was it like playing for them? Well, here's another story. I mean, Brampton, I was pretty secure there. I mean, I I fought, I scored, I thing, but you know. They got me a plate there in Brampton, and a couple of my Rexdale boys came up, and they brought a bottle of whiskey. And so we're sitting there drinking until about 2 in the morning. We decided to head to Mexico. So I uh, we got in the truck and started driving to Mexico in my buddy's 1979 old-beater uh, Chevy pickup. Jesus so Christ. <laughs> we, make, yeah, we make the Erie, Pennsylvania. The truck breaks down. And um, so, anyways, we stay in a hotel, and we're trying to figure out what we're going to do, and we get on a Greyhound bus and head to Fort Lauderdale. So, <laughs> anyways, lo and behold, uh, Branson's trying to find out where I am, and I just went off the rocker with my buddies. I just needed my, my Rexville boys <laughs> time, and <laughs> next thing you know, we're, we end up at Fort Lauderdale, and we are on a Greyhound bus for like three days, and... My buddy Greener, he's like, he he did the right thing. He didn't wash or shower, so he wanted his own double seat. So he smelled so bad that he just didn't shower or wash in the in the bus stations. So he got his own seat because no one wanted to sit beside him. Jesus Christ! <laughs> but we ended up in uh, Fort Lauderdale, and it was just crazy. We hooked up with this guy, and he said he was all involved in the mob and. Uh, <laughs> We're going, so he ends up driving us back from from Fort Lauderdale to somewhere in New Jersey. We have to grab a Greyhound and and go and try to find my buddy's truck that was getting fixed in Erie, Pennsylvania. So, I mean, it's just a wild ride there. But in the meantime, I call my mom and she says, "Yeah, Doug, I don't think you're on the Brampton Capitals anymore." I go, "Oh, that sucks." <laughs> so, because I mean, I loved it. I, I loved it there, man. I love. I love the guys on the team and all that, but again, I just uh, I just had my moments where I just did didn't do the right thing. Yeah, it happens to the best so, of us, you know. And uh, well, I mean, you know, you were down there in Fort Lauderdale, but you actually end up back there the next year in the Sunshine League out in Lakeland, down in Florida. Um, you know, how did you kind of end up down there in the uh, the old Sunshine League? So after my year, my last year in Milton, well, when I got traded to Milton. Um, I just uh, I didn't want to play hockey, and so had a fun fun summer with all my buddies and all that. And then uh, you know Tom uh, Tom started getting offers because of uh, his someone involved in the Caledon Canadians. I think he mentioned it on uh, his podcast. But anyway, so Tom's going. Well, why don't you come down to Florida? I said, Nah, I don't think I'm good enough. I mean, I just you know I don't think I can play pro hockey. I'm not good enough. And so anyways, he he went down and. So I went to New Orleans with my buddy that owned thoroughbred horses. And, and so I started walking horses seven days a week in, in uh, New Orleans with my buddy that um, he was my left winger during my draft year with Mississauga Blackhawks, Jeff Stevens. And 
So anyways, a couple months down, I'm in New Orleans seven days a week walking these fucking horses. And I'm like, comes Christmas time, I'm going, what am I doing? I mean, New Orleans does not shut down. I mean, so now I'm just drinking, 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 you know, partying. Twenty. I mean, literally, these bars do not shut down. There's no 2 o'clock shut off. I mean, New Orleans is a different world. And so finally, there's no cell phones back then. Tom calls me somehow. I can't even remember. He goes, get your fucking ass back to Toronto and come to come to uh, um, Lakeland. He goes, I told my owners about you. I warned them about you. What do you mean you warned them about me? He said, I can get a tough guy down here, but um, you're going to have to control him on and off the ice. I said, well, that's a great start, Tom. And so, anyways, I flew down to Orlando. My mom paid for the flight, $800. Like, this is a woman that busted her ass and didn't have any money. But she she flew me down, and I did not get reimbursed for that. Um, probably won't surprise you when I told you I was making $150 a week. Yeah, sounds about right and par for the course for Lakeland from what Wilson said on the uh, on the previous podcast I had with him that uh, Lakeland was yeah. not the best uh, ownership, I guess you could say. No, it, it was awful. And uh, so anyways, the first night I get there, they picked me up from Orlando. They just came back from West Palm Beach. And so I'm in a car and my future mentor, I'm not going to mention his name. I'll mention him later so he can put two and two together, but... They picked me up and they hated the coach so much that they go to the me, Tom, and my mentor go to uh, their apartment. And next thing you know, comes back and we he starts pulling away in the car and he starts going. <laughs> he just slashed my coach's car, my tires. I'm going, my God, I haven't even met him. I haven't even stepped on the ice. I'm going, what the fuck, man. I'm, I'm so proud that I'm going to be making a dollar playing hockey. And, uh, and it's crazy that uh, um, that I might it might end before it starts. And so <laughs> we go away the next day. They I guess the coach puts two and two together and trades trades the the mentor my mentor. So, um, anyways, he he goes there. My first pro game. I never even sat on my team's bench. I go there. I go out in the ice. I just said, well, what do I do, Tom? Like, I mean, do I just go fight someone? I go, is it that easy? And so I just go grab the biggest guy and I beat him up pretty good. So I go to the penalty box and, you know, you got to wait for a whistle. And when the whistle comes out, he, you know, he goes to, uh, coach tells me to stay on the ice. So stay on the ice, go grab the next guy. Beat him up. I said, after I beat him up, Tom comes to me in the penalty box. I'm going, Tom, is that all you got to do is just beat up people in this league? And so anyways, the third time I come out, Coach, you know, I stayed out there, so I just went and beat up someone else. Oh, shit, Tom, this is easy, dude. <laughs> and so, anyway, Tom's apologizing to the owners after the game, and they're going, no, 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 we love this guy. I, I said, well, what else do I have to do? Do I have to skate at all? I mean, do I have to do anything else? I mean, I'm out of shape because I've been off the ice for a while. And so Tom says, I guess they love you, Doug, so just keep doing what you're doing. I said, all right, well, this is fun. So I mean, that year was pretty easy as far as fighting. I, I guess I just missed Link Gates. I guess he played in there a little thing. With thank God, because I, I don't think I would have thought it was that easy. 
<laughs> I was going to um, say, with the way Tom's describing you, that you got to watch you on the on the ice and off the ice. It almost sounds like you're like the Link Gates of the old Sunshine League. <laughs> well, here's the here's the deal with me. I, I'm all alcohol. I was never. I never got it, got into drugs, and I understand like some guys like that struggle with you know fighting. Like I mean, God, Bob Probert's one of my favorite players of all time. And, um, you know, I can see that part of it, man. It's just, uh, I, for one reason, I was strong in that aspect. I never did drugs. And, um, but I can see where they, people venture off and, and do that. It's a tough role. I mean, I mean, you're, every night you're in, you know, you're thinking about the guy you're going to fight the next day. Um, the next day you're, you're in the hotel room thinking about this guy. I mean, people on your team are saying, hey, they just signed this guy, Oglethorpe. I'll give that an example. And, you know, there, there's, you know, so you're, so you're thinking about it all the time and you're going to them. So now this is where my insecurity in my hockey career is like, what are you telling me? Do are you telling me that I, I got to fight him? I mean, well, why are you telling me? Why don't you go tell the six foot four dude on our team? That's tough. That has to go fight him. Why are you telling me? And I'd get pissed. And so, <laughs> I mean, it's just, so I can understand where guys ventured off and, and got a little head problems, you know, and, you know, Cause it's a tough business. I mean, you, it's just sickening. I remember sitting in my hotel room, just sick to my stomach, knowing I have to fight a guy that's going to take off my head at five. You know, I'm only five eleven, <laughs> And I, if I sit here and tell you, if anyone sits here and tells you that they won all their fights they're lying. So. Oh yeah, um, for sure. Fuck. Jeremy Yablonski said it really good on my podcast. That's one of the earlier episodes, but he said, you know, if you've, uh, if you've never lost a fight, then you're not fighting the right people. Right. And so that was one of my things, man. I was so insecure that when people did say, hey, they signed so-and-so on there, well, that's the first person I go after. I mean, I didn't care. Like, you know, back when I played in Raleigh, I mean, in my division, there was Trevor Sen, Aaron Downey, Eric Bolton, um, Sean Brown. Um, uh, man, there's several. I just can't. I, I mean, every night I, I played, like, we were, before we uh, acquired uh, my future buddy, Ryan Brown, I mean, I was the only guy in Raleigh fighting. So uh, Kirk Kleinendorf had to tell me, he said, hey, you don't have to fight all the heavyweights, bro. <laughs> I'm saying you can take a night off. Like, I mean, the first two weeks of my uh, Raleigh Ice Caps uh, adventure was we were on the road. Our training camp was in Wheeling, so I fought all the northern, I think, not Aaron Downey. There's another Downey Dayton. There's a, um, a bunch of fighters like up north. And I, I mean, I fought them all in exhibition. And then we're on the road for two weeks in Raleigh because they had some carnival going on in the fairgrounds where Dorton Arena. And so, anyways, so I'm going out west. I'm fighting Joe Middlestad, fighting uh, Lakovic, um, and several other guys. Like, I mean, I just I fought them all. And my coach just said, Dude, you need to calm down. You, I mean, you're five eleven. You don't. I'm not asking you to fight all the heavyweights, but that was me. It's like you challenged me. I'm fighting you. And right. <laughs> what was it like fighting Olakovic, man? Because you know the the pit bull, and he's got this crazy reputation. And uh, you know, I've talked to a couple people about him, and I've heard stories that he'd sit there and wait outside the penalty box and fucking literally like on all fours bark at dudes. You know, like just an absolute nut job. So, what was it like fighting him, man? Okay, so I just had a mind. I should have mentioned this. This was his brother, Greg, who is really tough. Oh, okay, okay. 
Um, this is his brother. Now, his brother is real honest player, but my guy, like, I mean, I fought him probably, I don't know, I fought him a few times. Every time he, I fought him, he gave me stitches. Um, and I'm not a bleeder. Like, he, I literally, you can hit me with a brick and I'm not bleeding, but that guy gave me stitches every time I fought him. And um, anyways, it, it, he was honest, so he wasn't like his brother. So I had to just clarify that. Um, but anyways, no, it was uh, that that first year in the East Coast League. I mean, it was it was eye opening. I mean, in my division, man, Aaron Downey, Eric Bolton. I mean, my claim to fame with Eric Bolton. I fought him toe to toe a few times, and <laughs> he's given me stitches a couple of times, but you never could see them. They're in my lip or in my ear. And uh, I, I remember I was going after him a second time during that game, one game, and. He said, "No, I want I want to go after someone else." And I'm going, oh, "Shit, maybe he respects me a little." But I'm not sure if that was it or if I wasn't enough man to to get him to the next level. I don't know, but you know, I don't think I was an easy easy fight. I mean, I'm a lefty, and I threw pretty fast. Like Trevor Sten was surprised. Um, I fought him. That was towards the end because um, I fought. Uh, they had a couple other guys, Patterson. Um, did this other guy, uh, and I can't remember his name, but um, anyways, they had a few guys on their team. They had they had Gowdy. Gowdy had jumped me that and during that time I was telling you about in uh, Sault Ste. Marie. The reason I, I I think I became somewhat tough because Gowdy jumped me in Sault Ste. Marie and I turtled. I've never turtled in my life, and I just had a, a I don't I don't know. It was in training camp and. After that, I was angry for 20-some years. <laughs> I swear to God, anyone else that challenged me or even looked at me, I was fighting win or lose. It doesn't matter. No, and it's so all that matters that you show that, up, man. Yeah, and uh, that's I'm telling you, this it keeps going back to Sault Ste. Marie, where my anger stemmed from, because I just didn't fit in. I fit in on every other team except that team. And, you know, they're a good team. And they're good guys for the most part. You know, we had, I think, 11... NHLers on that team: Bob Bugner, Den- Denny Lambert, uh, Ted Nolan was the coach, uh, Ralph Internovo, uh, Adam Foot. I mean, it was crazy how many guys. Three NHL goalies until we traded one. It was Kevin Hodgson, Mike Fountain, and uh, Mike Leonarduzzi. Yeah, you fucking, you guys were but, fucking stacked out there. Well, like I said, I, I didn't fit in on the team, nor did I play, and so I. But I think it did me good uh, because I don't think I would have reached my my max caliber um, because I, again, I didn't think I was a good hockey player. Like when uh, Kirk Kleindorf asked me to come to Raleigh, we were over in Germany on a, on a little thing that he has every summer and he, they play all the pro games over there. Well, I got him kicked out of two towns because I fucking started brawls on the ice. And so Timmendorf, Germany and uh, Iserlon or something. And so on the plane back, I'm going, man, this guy must hate me. <laughs> And he just, I was, uh, I think I was signed or going to sign with Flint and I was at the Colonial League at the time or the United, I can't remember. But anyways, he just said, hey, sit beside me on the plane. And he goes, I love your style. I want you to come to Raleigh. And I said, are you sure? You know, there's Doug here. Are you sure? I mean, he said, yeah. I go, I love you. I go, I, I tell you what, you're not going to play every game, but you're not going to, I said, I will not cut you the whole year. He made that promise to me. And so I went and I stayed and had the best year of my life, even though 
I think we won like the like a bunch of games at the beginning, and then we had a guy break his blow at his knee, break his back. I mean, and then like all our drafts, you know, guys coming down from Ottawa. I think Ottawa was our farm team, and I mean, we just kind of went downhill. At, no, New Jersey was, but we kind of just went downhill after that. But I mean, it was a great year. Absolutely, man. And well, you know, you brought him up earlier, and he's probably known for one of like the most infamous one punch knockouts you'll ever see. But you fought him, and it was Aaron Downey. How was it for um, fighting Downey? Down, Downey was okay. Uh, here's what happened. So, so years prior, Downey from uh, my dad's neck of the woods, right? And so he, uh, like, he's from Shelburne. My dad's from Maxwell, and. Um, Anyways, the uh, the first shift they ever played, I didn't know who he was, but apparently a couple of years prior, we were at a farm party and we got in a big. The same guy that I was talking about earlier, the Rexdale boy Chris Petrie, got in a got in a little tiff with uh, this guy at this farm party, and I said, "No, I'll take this one, Peach." So this big old guy, I think his name was Jamie Doyle, you know, I take him out in the field and I just give him a new ass kicking, and. and cut him open for a bunch and then i remember aaron downey well i didn't know his name at the first but he said uh oh yeah you play hockey i said yeah i played for sue Saint marie meanwhile i only played freaking four games maybe 20 <laughs> seconds in four games you know like i mean i'm just the insecure coming out of me right he says well i played for where do you play for guelph or something and uh so anyways years later he's playing for hampton roads brophy and he goes dougie fucking man how the fuck are you? I said, all right, well, what is it? Are we going? <laughs> he goes, no, you remember what you did to my buddy Doyle out in, out in that farm there back in the thing? I go, oh, yeah, shit. He goes, have a good game. I said, don't do anything stupid because Brof's going to send me. So, because, like, no one on Brof's team could even breathe. Like, if I would have ran around one bit, which I did, they were going to send him. So, he didn't fight me right then, but then a couple of, like, weeks later or whatever because he kept i didn't play against him a whole lot because he he kept getting called up you know he's on his road up to the nhl right so but he now now bolton's another another story i i had bolton did more damage than downey um just i don't know man he's just a precise puncher and you know just uh but like i said i don't know if just don't downey knew me and kind of took it easy on me i don't know but back then, I would have fought my own mother, you know, if I had to. <laughs> Did you ever have any interactions with Brophy? Because uh, I've had a couple couple guys on the show that were coached by him. And, uh, you know, of course, with his big reputation and the minors and just you know, the overall stigma around him. Um, you'd always yell at guys, even on the ice and the opposing team. Did you ever have any interactions with, uh, with old Brophy? Well, I didn't have an interaction. But, I mean, my God, man, the guy like, – so in Raleigh for a while, until we got this Ryan Brown, I was, uh, and I'll tell you about Ryan in a minute, but I mean, during warm-up, Brophy's standing, like, you know, the rest of the coaches are up in the stands and they're watching, you know, formalities and power play and whatever, who's who's on the lines and all that. Well, Brophy's standing on the fucking bench and just staring at us. And I go, you know, I, I am officially the most afraid of Brophy. I'm not afraid of any of his players. I'm afraid of Brophy. <laughs> and I'm going, oh, my God, man, this guy's a quack job. 
Like, seriously, he's just staring at us. Like, I, you know, I stretch right at center ice, right by the bench there, and he's just sitting there staring at me because I think he knew that I was the only one who would fight, whatever. Next thing you know, I have 10 guys coming out. I mean, the minute I ran around, like like I said, Downey wasn't there a lot. He was not there because he was, was it Hershey was up? I don't know. He kept getting called up, whoever Hampton Roads was. So, but they had plenty of other tough guys because you can't play with Brophy or play for Brophy unless you're tough. Oh and yeah, so, no, he would stack it. He would want the stacked <laughs> rosters too. It was just insane. He didn't give a fuck. <laughs> yeah, so I mean, I, I was like, "Holy shit, man!" Like, do I am I skating wrong on warm up? Is this guy just gonna send everyone out after me because I I do a one handed. Uh, shot to the shell like in warm-up or something is he gonna think i'm showboating and want to kill me and send all his players out i'm like holy fuck like he i was intimidated him i'm not gonna lie to you i wasn't scared of any player because i knew a beating would you know whatever you get beat up you get up who cares but brophy he just had that fucking look on his face and for him to stand down on the bench and just stare at you i'm like i was shit in my pants especially being a rookie I mean, I played in the Sunshine Hog League and the Southern Professional, whatever it turned into after that. But with, with Brophy, I'm like, oh, this is the real deal here. This guy wants me hurt right now. <laughs> so. Yeah, sounds like Brophy. <laughs> um, well, real quick, I got to get, get a side note in here. And you would sent me the article, and I had no clue this was actually a, <laughs> or actually a thing, um, but it was in 2000. You know, everybody, uh, I'm sure a lot of the listeners, if not all of them, have probably seen the movie Goon, and they see, you know, Doug Glatt score the the goal that goes off of his ass. You actually, you know, kind of were almost like a little bit of inspiration for that. You scored an overtime goal off your ass to send your team to the finals or to the conference finals. You know, what was that like, man? Well, the, the truth be it, it was not off my ass. It was against Huntsville. And I'm, it was against Mike, Mike DeGurts, uh, um in Huntsville there. And I'm going to get to Mike DeGurts because I, I definitely have to plug him. I, I thank him for all the good battles we had. But um, it, it was it was not off my ass. I blocked out my defenseman. The shot came from the point. It went off the pads and I put it in. But the only question is why the fuck was I out in overtime um, sudden death on a power play? <laughs> My coach, I mean, it's literally, I think I got three, six goals or whatever all year. Um, had a bunch of fighting majors, but why the hell would Bruce Garber put me out on a power play in sudden death overtime? But he did. I, I mean, him and I butted heads because I played with him in uh, Florida before I came to Columbus. And so him and, I, and he would sit me, scratchy, scratch, you know, healthy scratch. And I'm like, why the fuck are you sitting me right now? when we're playing Memphis or a tough, Huntsville, a tough team, you know, it's like, but he would. But for that moment, he put me out on the power play, suddened up overtime against Huntsville. Whoever scored moves on to the next round. And I scored the goal, but it wasn't off my ass, man. Hey, you it, was, hey it went in. They don't ask how, they don't ask how, they ask how many, right? <laughs> well, everyone said, do you need to call someone and correct that? I said, shit, no, they did, did a scene about me on a movie. I go, and I have no clue how that happened. My sister, actually, my older sister, called me and said, Doug, do you know that someone found a trivia and spoof on you or for that movie Goon? I'm like, what are you talking about? And next thing you know, so, so if, yeah, if you go to the, 
the the movie hockey movie goon and go to trivia and spoofs and and then go down and click the spoofs you're gonna see that little section and i'm like wow all right well, all right it went off my ass that's fine <laughs> you got your claim to fame <laughs> the air has been cleared yeah. here on the uh on the show now so didn't go off your ass but it still went in right <laughs> That's right. That's right. Oh man. So. Well, you know, speaking of Columbus, man, you after you know you had your stint in Raleigh with the Ice Caps and the ECHL, you ended up in Columbus, and now again you're back. You're back with old Willie Tom Wilson, and you guys actually had a pretty tough team as well. You know, you had your uh, Jerome Bachard on there, and you know, how was it playing there? Because you guys really stacked up the pims. Well, like I said, I come from Raleigh, where I was you know, the guy that fought all the time. And so the fans like me, and then, I'll, you know, I'm coming to Columbus, Georgia, where all I hear about is Jerome Bouchard. And I'm going, well, fuck, can I steal this show? You know, hello? Yep. Hello? Yep. Oh, you there? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Someone's trying to, I was trying to direct a call. Um, I said, how am I going to uh, direct or uh, – you know, take this fame off this Jerome Bouchard who's already played there one year before me because I was supposed to come to Columbus, um, but I, you know, obviously you had a better opportunity in Raleigh. And so I come, and the first exhibition game, they put me on the line with this famous Jerome Bouchard. And um, <laughs> uh, 30 seconds into it, uh, the goalie comes out to play the puck, and I knock him on his ass, and I drop the gloves, challenge the bench, and I just wanted to introduce you know, me to Columbus. And I'm like, <laughs> a couple of guys were on my team in Raleigh that were on making that year. And so I didn't have any comers. So my coach said, all right, because I've already played with him in Florida. He says, all right, go get the exercise because I get kicked out of the game. Go get the exercise bike. And he made me put up in the stands and, you know, ride the exercise bike for the whole game in front of the fans. <laughs> I'm going, all right, well, it's, it's giving me a little notoriety. I mean, you know, I had to introduce myself, you know, some way. So, I uh, that's what I did. And, um, of course, Jerome later on had his antics. And turns out Jerome's one of the best teammates I ever had. Like, he was the most hated man in hockey. Like, literally. Like, I know Mike DeGuerre's going to listen to this, man. They they hated him. But I, I think deep down they would have uh, loved to have him on this, you know, as a teammate. But, uh, you know, they had a guy like, like – um, Jonathan Dubois was kind of similar, a little, little greasy, little agitator, and you know. So, but man, Jerome was one of the best teammates ever. So we came in here, but um, other than Jerome, my goodness, we had we had seven or eight good fighters, and um, <laughs> people didn't want to come into our our barn and play us. Um, Huntsville probably was the toughest team. Like I said, I'm going to go back to Degers. Uh, you know, back into the Florida days, Lakeland days. Um, uh, the first time I, uh, so after the, you know, when we started this uh, podcast, you know, I said how easy it was in the fights. Well, the next year went into the a different league, uh, Southern Professional yeah, I think it was Southern just the League, Southern, Southern Hockey League is what I think it was. Right. So we go rolling in and we're playing uh, Winston Salem, and you know. I think we already had played them once, and and I think Mike DeGuerre's beat up someone, whatever. And I wasn't playing. I don't know if I was suspended or just a fucking healthy scratch. I was sick of that. Anyways, uh, so I go play. So I, I tangle up with Mike DeGuerre, and he didn't know who I was, and he's a rookie, and, 
you know, I guess technically I'm a second-year player, but, I mean, my God, I played in the league the year before with four teams. And so I give it to Mike pretty good. And uh, I'm going, all right, well, this is still easy, right? This is the toughest guy. I think I heard this guy was probably one of the tougher guys in the league. So, lo and behold, I think it was the third period, he comes right back after me, and he finally got my game. And I was a, you know, I was a lefty, and we had a good tilt. And I think we fought probably 15 times after that. And I don't think any of us really hurt each other. Might have cut each other, bruised each other. But he was definitely aware after that first time. And, I mean, because he had no clue that I was a lefty. And I just – I was really fast at the time. And gave it to him pretty good. But he uh, he definitely got me a couple times. I got him a couple times. And, and now we're friends. And we had a couple of beers a few months back uh, when – my kid was playing uh, tournament in Huntsville, so it was pretty cool. That's awesome, man. And, yeah, old, uh, old Goose, I know you're listening. I appreciate you uh, getting me in touch with old Dougie here because, uh, you know, a lot of the Southern Leagues and, like, the Central League and the Southern Pro League, I actually don't know too much about. That's probably the league. That and the Federal League I know probably the least about. So it's always cool <laughs> to kind of uh, – get in touch and you know talk to some of the boys in those leagues like yourself and hear how it is and you know DeGuris probably had one of the funniest stories I've ever fucking heard um it was back in the Sunshine League he was supposed to be getting ready for a game um and for those listening go back to the DeGuris episode listen to this but he's you know supposed to be getting ready for the game or something like that and he ends up renting a moped on like the fucking beach and goes whizzing past people and lo and behold he whizzes past the fucking coaching staff and they look at him like isn't that a fucking player and i guess he got an earful for it but that's just fucking hilarious and something i feel like you'd only happen in, down in florida <laughs> it's, it's crazy some of the stories that we have i mean it's uh, now do you know we touched base like i said i was out with uh Johnny Gibson, he was their captain for, captain for Huntsville and uh, Daigle a few months back before this COVID stuff. Uh, and we're just telling all stories. And it's just amazing, man. They they really did respect Columbus, but we really respected Huntsville, even though, man, I mean, at one point they had Craig Cox and Daigle. They'd be in the tunnel having a dart in between periods. And <laughs> I'm like, you can't, you can't make this up, man. This is a minor league. Like, you can't make this up. How are they beating us right now? Like, these guys are smoking a pack between skin periods, and I'm like, well, that's the minor leagues, I guess. I don't know. Well, yeah, it was not pretty only that, funny. you got Craig Cox, the old school guy, just ripping darts, like you said. That was probably what he was doing out in fucking Vancouver at the time when he was in the show. <laughs> that's fantastic. Well, he had to be. I mean, he had, a, he had a tough job, but I will say, when I first saw Craig Cox in a lineup, I was, I was real nervous, and... uh because I know I'm stupid enough to fight him. And, um, but he just wasn't that guy, man. He had his time in the show and he just was not an intimidating, like, uh, you know, like you heard a story earlier that Ryan Reed went after him, but Reader went after him. Like, I mean, you know what I'm saying? It, like he, he didn't give you any reason to fight. He never hit anyone. He just kind of coasted out there and he's a pretty good hockey player in these leagues too, you know? So, Oh, I yeah. respect him, but <laughs> I remember we were because we beat him in the finals to win a championship in Wichita, and I was wound up. I'm, you know, we're about to win a championship. I just fought all their heavyweight or all their fighters for you know four games because we swept, swept them. <laughs> and uh, I'm I'm beaking Cox like I'm just wound up ready. He goes, "Hey, fucking kid, can you shut up? Just shut up." 
your your mouth is big. Shut up. And I go, yes, sir. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit. It's like the stepbrothers. Like, You're next, mister. Yes, sir. That's <laughs> fucking yeah. great. Well, the thing is, I, I, I wasn't even much of a talker, but I, I was just about to win a championship. I mean, you're talking about my insecurities in hockey. I didn't know I was a good hockey player. And obviously, I mean, I don't think I was a great hockey player in pro either, but even when I was a kid and I'm about to win a championship, I mean, that was my NHL, brother. And, I mean, I, I cherish this ring to this day on that. Like, I mean, I have knuckles. I have metal plates on my left hand. I mean, that was from the, probably that series against Wichita. And, I mean, it was just it was just sick. It was a sick time in my life, and I'm thankful for it. Oh, yeah, absolutely, man. A championship is a championship. And, you know, fucking, especially in the minors, man, that's a grind to get there. And, you know, the shit you guys put yourselves through to fucking get there, um, it, it's like something almost unheard of. Like, you just don't hear about it in other sports. Um, as far as, like, you know, the enforcer side and the fighter side go, there's just nothing like that in sports, if you ask me. Um, so, no, man, that's fucking awesome that you guys ended up getting a championship. No, it, it was a good time. And, I mean, our record, I think, was – and I don't – well, shit! I got my championship ring lingering around here somewhere. Our uh, our record was uh, fifty-one, thirteen, and eight. I mean, Holy it, it was a sick. I mean, we we blew out teams, and the only one who gave us trouble was Hunto. We they, <laughs> Mike DeGurst. I know you're going to be listening to this, buddy. But you guys, you guys were the real deal, and I did not like playing you guys. Um, <laughs> Because if it wasn't you, I was getting freaking hacked, and like not one of one of those players on their, the you know Huntsville was was intimidated of us, nor we we weren't intimidated of them. But I mean, it was just a, a good rival. But you know, <laughs> it was just a good time winning a championship, and I think Huntsville won it the year after, so that was pretty cool. Year after, or maybe the year I don't know. They they won it shortly after that. So when we're sitting together having beers later, we can chirp. I got a I got a picture of their captain, um, and it just shows me throwing a big left. Well, he broke my nose. John Gibson, if you're listening to this, I'm giving you a little plug. He broke my nose with the first punch, but this picture doesn't show wonders. And I and I keep sending it to him, just a little chirping to him. So it was pretty cool. Absolutely. Um, real quick, I gotta ask you, man, because I'm a Jersey. I'm like a Jersey guy. I love to inc- uh, collect jerseys. Um, and, you know, those Columbus jerseys with, like, the snake numbers and shit, those are absolutely fucking insane. What do you think of those, man? Well, I don't know. Are you talking about when the back in 97, 98 and all that? Um, I mean, fuck, I'm not sure when they changed to, like, the snake numbers because I know they had normal numbers and then they moved to, like, the where the, the literally the font was, like, the body of a snake. <laughs> yeah, no, that, I believe that was our championship year and then a couple of years after that. No, they were awesome. I mean, I thought we had the – I mean, every time I put on the jersey, I felt proud and I felt like we had the coolest jerseys, to, you know. Um, especially our Civic Center was the, probably the best place to play in a minor hockey at the time. I mean, we'd pull in about 7,000 people. Um, <laughs> you better not lose a fight. So, <laughs> yeah. Um, it, it was pretty cool. Did so, you ever do any, like, jersey tricks? Like, did you, I don't know, have, like, a front tie down or shorten some sleeves? Did you ever do anything like that to kind of get an edge when you're fighting? I, uh, so what I, I, I mean, I just like to get the jump on a guy. I was a kamikaze. Um, again, you know, it was just, uh, I get in there. I had a, 
I don't say that I did it. Na- I, I think I did it naturally. I didn't do it as planned. Um, I just had a, a way of, I always thought of hockey fighting as Zapkido, the martial art Zapkido. And um, so I'm going to, I'm going to take your, your clothes and your body and I'm going to paralyze you as good as I can and try to feed you. So it's kind of like a Steven Seagal. Now I'm not no Zapkido star or anything. Cause my buddy Rex kids are going to hear this and try to rip me apart. But I'm just saying, I, I tried to get in there, paralyze your power and just and I was really fast with my left, and wasn't it wasn't a knockout punch, wasn't a thing, but it's gonna uh, it's gonna um, you know try to give you uh, you know try to give you the worst you know you're the best situation to win the fight. So right, you know. My, well, go ahead. My my wife sent a, like I'm in the room locked up because I have ADD. And my wife sending letters under the under the door and questions asked. <laughs> well, That's fantastic. But she wants um, to let you guys know that I did, I did box, so I did have a little ba- fighting background back in the day. Well, there you go. Fuck, you're um, in my notes over here. That's what I was, that was literally the next question I was going to ask if you did any like off season training or like fight wise, if you did boxing or any any UFC or not UFC, but like MMA or anything like that. No, so so the. Here's the here's a true story and it's pretty amazing one. Is in 1988, you know, when Seoul Olympics was getting prepared, I was already a member at this one club. It was my old middle school, uh, but then they closed down and uh, it was a boxing club. They, they turned it into a boxing club, my old middle school, and it was called Boxing Canada or Boxing Ontario. And so during the 88 Seoul Olympics, lo and behold, they they use that as the training headquarters for. Um, you know, the Canadian national team that's going to the Seoul Olympics. So that doesn't sound very important to you, but uh, who was on that team but Lennox Lewis. So we got to train with him for months because we were members. I mean, we didn't get to get in his shit, you know, like, I mean, we got to get in the rink and or the ring and uh, just warm him up and all that. And, I mean, I'm, did we get to train with him per se? No, because he had his own coach and all that. But he was in our gym every day. It was pretty neat. The thing I didn't like is that after he won the Seoul, the gold Olympics and uh, the gold medal in the Seoul Olympics, he uh, kind of, you know, detri- you know, went against Canada and said he's Brit- Britain, and I didn't like that. But, anyways, it's a pretty neat story that I got to train with Lennox. Yeah, for sure. That's fucking badass, man. That's uh, that's awesome. Um. Well, so you know, you're you're in Columbus still. Uh, you played what fucking six seasons there, five seasons. Um, and how how was the how were the fans there? You said you know it was pretty good, and everybody always kind of wonders how good uh, you know hockey is in the South and everything like that. And Columbus still to this day, I believe they have a hockey team. Um, again, sorry, I don't watch too much hockey today, um, so I'm not up to date on the leagues and stuff. But um, from what I understand, man, it seemed like the fans were fucking awesome there, and they of course they love their their blue collar tough guys. Yeah, no, I mean, like I said, I, you know, when I came here, Jerome Bouchard was God. <laughs> and I hope no one gets offended by that. But anyways, he, I mean, he was God. I mean, he fought, he, I mean, he, Jerome was good in the community. So when I came, you know, and Tom was here also and fought a lot and Brad Prefontaine. So when I came and a couple other guys, I mean, we had so many fighters. It's just, those guys didn't fight as much as me. You know, they're probably tougher than me, but I mean, I fought every game. Like, 
I didn't take nights off. I mean, because if I took nights off, I probably wouldn't play the next game or, or, uh, you know, so I had to make sure I had my job. I was so insecure. You know, it's the theme of my career. I was insecure. My job was never secure. So if there's a tough guy, like, you know, everyone started looking at stats and I mean, if someone's saying that there's someone out there tough, I'm, I'm fighting them. I mean, fuck them. You know, I'm, I'm not afraid of them. They're not going to kill me. I've never been killed yet. So I'm, I'm still standing here doing this podcast. Yeah, there you and go. You'll so, have to fucking tell about it. I made sure, like, especially, you know, a couple of games, you know, we're in the dressing room. They're telling, you know, hey, they signed so-and-so. You know, this guy, he was tough in the, the U-Haul. Well, fuck, I never played in the U-Haul. Who, who did he fight that makes him tough? I mean, did he fight some goal scorers and beat the shit of them and put on a big show? Or is it is he going to fight? Is it like me who fights all, he- you know, guys that can fight and you don't look like you dominate as much? Because you're only five eleven, and and guys can you know handle themselves that you're fighting, so it's not much of a show. So first thing I do, first couple of shifts, if uh, you know nothing's going on, I see these guys out in the ice, and the guys on our team that can fight, and they're kind of not doing anything. I just tell my coach, "Fuck, put me out. I'm done. I'm done watching this bullshit. Let me let me get out. And I'll fight them." And so I do it. I mean, nine times out of ten, I whoop their ass because. They're playing in a like they're not fighting anyone. They're fighting goal scorers that they're just lighting them up, and their highlight reels are just you know throwing punches and guys jumping, you know, bouncing up in the air because they're getting hit so hard, right? But it's different when you're fighting a guy that can throw back, like Mike DeGurus. He never bounced up in the air when I hit him. He he fought back. He actually punched back. Lakovic punched back. Downey, Bolton, Brown, Baduke, Middlestad. They all punched back, and they punched back hard. So it was, uh, I mean, it's, it's different when you see a highlight reel and some guy's kicking the shit out of someone and that maybe has uh, 20 minutes and penalty minutes and then fighting a guy that can actually punch, punch back and knock your cranium off. Oh, for sure, man. Absolutely. And the fuck, it's all about, I, I kind of always judge. I mean, I don't judge because obviously I'm a fucking, you know, just a fan sitting on the couch. But, you know, going through guys' fight cards and you see how some people rank fighters. Everybody always loves to do top 10 lists. And you kind of look at some guys like, eh, who the fuck did they really fight? You know, not not saying that in a bad way. Obviously, they have balls to drop, drop the gloves and go fucking toe-to-toe it, um, you know, in front of a bunch of fans and stuff like that. But at the same time, I think... Um, I don't know, the best way to describe it is kind of like pedig- like a pedigree, you know, like who who do they have on their fight card? Um, and, you know, like you said, it's some guys, you, you look at them and, yeah, they might have a lot of penalty minutes, but they, they might not have fought, you know, the heavyweights like yourself or um, stuff like that. So there's a lot of factors that kind of go into how you judge guys or um, their reputation going in, like you said. Yeah, no, like, so for instance, Oklahoma City, you know, they had Wade Brookbank um, at one point. Yeah, at one point uh, we they beat us in the finals. They and he, you know, he ended up going in the NHL. But they had a couple of a couple of heavyweights, and but there's this one guy, and I can't pronounce his name. I think it's Arvianis or something. So, anyways, I went after him first because he was a league leader in fighting majors, right? I thought he was a tough. I didn't know who Wade Brookbank was, or or I think that Marco Sabalo that was pretty tough. It might have been the year before. I don't think Marco was on the team or Brooklyn. I think it was the year before. But they had this guy, Arvianis, that had ungodly amount of fighting majors. And they're in the other division in Oklahoma City, right? So, drop the puck. I go right after him. 
and I drop the gloves and I'm, I'm wanting to throw and he just grabs and suitcases me. And I'm, I just told the refs, I said, Hey, come in, come in. I'm not fighting this guy. Fuck that. He's grabbing on. I don't want to fight him. Fucking spit on him before I fight him. I mean, he was just holding me. I mean, he's holding me and I'm like, I don't respect guys like that. I'd rather you knock me out than, than fucking, you know, sit there and suitcase me and whatever, because I'm not going to give you that respect. If I'm fighting you, I'm going to punch you. And if I knock you out, then fine. If you knock me out, fine. I've been on the boat. I've been on both ends of that spectrum. And anyone that you've ever done a spec or a podcast on, I promise you, they've been on the same, the same end. I mean, they've been knocked out. I remember beating the shit out of Peter Zerba. Fucking my, that was, uh, he was playing for Huntsville and, uh, that Southern league. Fuck. He got the last punch in shows me. I got it on VHS tape. I know I'm old. But anyways, I'm going to the penalty box, and it just shows my knees wobbly. I mean, fuck, he had to go get zipped up. I I thought I won the fight, except I thought my name was Batman. <laughs> yeah, fucking hey, man, Zerva, what a tough dude. He was fucking second all time for the Western Pro League in penalty minutes, and he's actually a guest I had on the show too. And uh, you know, fucking Zerva was awesome, and yeah, it's a, <laughs> no kid. That's a tough fight, and um, you know, you mentioned before about guys kind of seatbelting and stuff like that, and it was. I, I can't remember where it was. I think it might have been in the last Gladiators when he talks about it. Um, but it's Marty McSorley, and he kind of had that same mentality. He's like, you know, if you're gonna fight me, fight me. Don't don't sit there and try to hold on. If you're gonna try to hold on, I'm gonna sit there and yell at you, and then I'll tell the refs to come in. If you're gonna fight, fight. And he had more respect for guys like that. Right, and I was the same way. I mean, like I said, I, like fuck. If you're gonna, especially if you're a league leader and fighting major, dude. I mean, are you just dropping the gloves and the seat belt and a bunch of guys to get? Uh, you know, your status of league leader. Like, I mean, <laughs> I was like second or third in the league and I'm like, I'm getting my ass kicked here fighting guys that are, or can fight back again. Mike DeGuerre, Slakovic, uh, fucking, uh, there's freaking 20 other players in the league. I mean, every team had a, I mean, one year, one year Memphis, I thought I was going to die every time I played them. I mean, they, they had a killer team, but we had a tough team too. So, but I'm stupid enough to fight these guys before my other guys do, you know, like I'm, I'm trying to set the tone and not one player that played with me can say different. Like I, I literally, I went and I did my job and sometimes I lost, sometimes I won. I think I won more than I lost to be honest with you, but it was, uh, <laughs> I mean, I'm sitting here with a metal plate in my hand now. I think my name's Batman still. <laughs> well, you know, you know, talk about the metal plate there in your hand. What are some of the injuries you sustained? And well, I mean, I guess how'd you end up with that uh, that metal plate? Because I know that the role of you know the tough guys and the enforcers is one of the most, not only mentally but physically one of the most you know the toughest job in all the sports. And the injuries that come with it are just fucking insane. Well, I mean, my my hands were like jello every game I fought. I mean, my left, I mean, was like would swell up and take a, a month of you know to heal up but the problem is you fight on a friday night right i got fight mike degurst on a friday night and then we're playing memphis uh the next night and having to fight a a holiday or a simon or or some i mean and your hands like a little you know like a pillow because it's so swollen i mean what the <laughs> it's just a tough job because like i'll never forget i fought and I think it was Mike DeGurse. I fought Mike DeGurse one night and then uh, go to Macon. And I told this Volk, like this Phil Volk, he used to run around. He's six foot, six foot 
five or four or whatever he was. But he used to run around, and he's just – I didn't like him, okay? So, anyways, I said, hey, dummy, don't do anything stupid tonight. I'll fight you Tuesday. I go, my hand's, like, swollen. And I never said that, right? Because I just don't let anyone know my business. Like, if I'm going to fight you, I'm going to fight you. But for this reason, I just not, did not have it in me to fight that night because my hand was so fucked up. And so he hits me from behind. I go, he goes to the penalty box, and I say, I'm going to fucking kill you. Like, I'm, I'm going to get you. So he goes around the net, and I two-hand him later on in the game. And uh, he jumps me. Well, my hand's like gelatin, my left hand, man. So he goes to grab my left because that's what he's used to grabbing. And I just come over the top and just boom. I smack him with a right, and I cut him wide open. Well, the refs get in there. And, <laughs> matter of fact, my youngest son, he pulls out all these VHS tapes, so I've relived this, like, recently. That's why I'm, it's all fresh. And so the refs are in there, and he's calling, you know, he's chirping me. I said, hey, go get fucking stitched up, you pussy. So, anyway, can I say that? Yeah, dude, fuck. This, I, anyway. yeah, you can say whatever the fuck you want on this podcast, man. <laughs> all right. I'm like, you know, I'm not sure sometimes. But anyways, so the referees get in there, and he's chirping me, and I said, go get this, this up, you pussy, right? And he comes over the top and shatters my nose. And I'm like, I go to the penalty box. I'm calm. My nose is on the other side of my face. And uh, the referee goes, Columbus penalty to number 17, Doug Mann. Two minutes for slashing, five minutes for fighting. Um, making penalty to number 24, Phil Vault, five minutes for fighting. I go, fuck you. And so I just snapped, and I uh, I tried to get him in the other. Like, I wanted to kill that mother. Like, I wanted to kill him. My nose is on the other side. Jerome's telling me I got to go to the dressing room, whatever. I told the ref I was going to kill him and his family. Like, I mean, I was that mad. And so... <laughs> That I've just never had respect for guys like that. I've, I heard uh, an episode you had with, uh, was it Craig Lockhead? Or no, it's not oh, Craig John, Lockhead. John, uh, John Craighead? John, John Craighead. Craig Lockhead. I used to play junior with him. That's where I got that from. So if you're hearing this, Craig, I just gave you a plug, brother. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, he said about the the, the extracurriculars, and uh, I said, my God, man, I never punched anyone when the refs are in there, ever. I mean, once once the fight's over, it's over. And this, this Phil Valk just smacked me, and he shattered my nose. I had to go get. I mean, it was gutless, just pure gutless. And I would never do that. But that being said, there's like um, Craig had said. He said there's times where he, you know he regrets it, and he had you know did it. Like when he doesn't respect someone, he doesn't respect someone. And I mean. But for the most part, I mean, Lakovic gave gave it to me a bunch of times, and I respected him, and he, you know, he respected me. There was never punches. When the referees got in there, Mike DeGurse, when there's the referees got in there, I fought him straight up. The referees got in there, we're good. And uh, anyways, when I got suspended, I got suspended, like, for, like, four or five games for saying that to the ref. So we're playing, we're going on a Western uh, road swing. Huntsville, Memphis, Topeka, San, San Antonio, Oklahoma City, Tulsa, Wichita, blah, blah, blah. And <laughs> so our, our first game's Huntsville. So I'm in the concourse, and 
Um, okay. After uh, so after fo- after phone problems here. All right, now now we're live. We're back. Um, <laughs> you were talking about you were you were <laughs> in the concourse out in Huntsville. Yeah, so we were we were suspended in the I run into Mike and you know we trade you know why 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 we got suspended and he said well you know he did this and I you know I told him what I did and and so you know it's one of the, it was like a date and made in heaven I said sure <laughs> so he goes I got a local bar right here so we, we just went out there I tell you what we spent probably three hours with each other and didn't talk one bit about our fights hockey anything we just talked about. Huntsville, Columbus, guys on our team. So I guess we talked about, and it was just pretty cool. That was a pretty cool moment. We talked about that a couple of months ago when we hung out for a night there. Pretty dude, pretty cool dude. Absolutely. Um, you know, it, you ended up in the WHA too. Um, well, what was it like playing in that league? Well, I only played a couple. So I could have went somewhere after, like. When the Cottonmouths went back to the East Coast League from the Central League, I could have went somewhere. I could have went out west and or did something. I just didn't want to be. I've never. I don't want to be a suitcase, right? I didn't care about hockey that much to, you know, go out and travel. And I already met my wife for, you know, a few years, whatever. So she was my girlfriend at the time. But to this date, we've been together 22 years, right? So I didn't want to be that guy traveling, and so. <laughs> When uh, they went to the SBHL, Jerome asked me if I'd come back. Boom, boom. And uh, I said, yeah, I'll come back. So Tom was playing in, he was a paramedic in Birmingham or some fucking thing. I don't know. And uh, he asked me, he said, well, come play here. Come play a few games. Well, the first game I play, I'm like 30 pounds, 40 pounds overweight. Did not practice one game in like two years. Like, did not even practice. I go in uh, this, they're having this little fun game before they leave for making in vans, right? And so I get on the uh, this van. Tom didn't go and play away games because he's a paramedic. And so I go, and, and we're playing making, and, and they had this guy, I think Katzberg, whatever. And he wasn't a real tough guy, but I'm, t- I'm literally have not played in a couple of years. I skated, I stepped on skates for the first time for 20 minutes and get off this van in Macon where they used to hate me. And I fight, the coaches said, hey, Doug, you don't have to fight. Like, just, you know, get your feet wet, whatever. And Jason Renard was on that team and he did not go. I think he was suspended. He was on our team. (laughs) Shocker. And so he didn't go. And I'm like, we're going. So anyways, this guy. The, the coach of Macon is a guy I used to play with, and I'm sure he told him, I say, if you want a good fight, you know, Dougie will fight you, whatever, right? <laughs> Anyways, the guy comes and taps me on the thing, and I'm told not to fight, but I drop the gloves because that's just not the way I'm built. And so the guy smashes my nose through, like, just first punch. And all I remember is feeling warm blood going around, and then, all of a sudden, I grab and I get position. And I start punching them. Well, the refs get in there, and I'm telling them no, no, because I'm ready to like that broken nose. I didn't give a fuck about that. Anyways, the refs cut in there and stopped it, man. And so I get back. I have to go get reconstructive nose surgery, and and I promise you, anyone who's in that game knows that I was still standing and I was not done that fight, and. 
that that pissed me off. But anyways, I, I took a lot of rising from uh, from a few boys and all that. You know, especially the making fans. They hated me when I played with you know in my prime, and they definitely loved when I got my nose shattered. And uh, <laughs> so, anyways, that was uh, that was my my W was a WH two. Yeah, WHA too. <laughs> well, fuck yeah. Yes. We had a tough team. It was just the, t- the tough guys never fought, or never played. Fucking Renard and uh, and uh, Wilson. I mean, I'm like they invite me to come play here, and I'm like, my god. I'm like, <laughs> yeah, six. Well, played you had in three six years. Games. Yeah, you had six games and 42 penalty minutes. So we we know what you were doing. <laughs> yeah. Well, I wasn't supposed to. I was supposed to just kind of just get get my feet wet and then come back and play with Jerome for Jerome in uh, the SBHL the next year in Columbus. But I just, I don't know. I'm not cut like that. Someone challenged me. I'm going to fight him. And it wasn't a smart time for me to fight. <laughs> Man, it probably made that guy famous. So <laughs> yeah, you win some, you lose some, like you said. Um, but like you said, also, um, fuck, you probably could have kept going. So it sucks that the linesman get a get a little jump happy in there. You know, fuck, it seems like it's well, they saw, awful they saw all the blood. Yeah, and they, they like to stop the, it. They saw the blood, and that just that just made me hungry. <clears throat> I fucking I was not done. Right. Do not they do not tell me a fight's done until I tell you it's done. Absolutely, and you know you brought him up earlier with the team, and I he was actually the very first player guest I ever had on, and it was Jason Renard. Did you ever have any uh, like interactions with Rennie? I, I didn't. I didn't. And Rennie, if you're hearing that, you're lucky. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> uh, Rennie and I actually we became friends because of that little stint. And, um, you know, Rennie's probably the most un- misunderstood guy. The guy's all heart, and he uh, definitely had uh, had a lot of respect in you know, any league he played. Um, you know, just like all of us, we do some dumb shit. And, um, but, man, Renard, so we were on Facebook, and, Actually, he he invited me and Tom Wilson to his wedding. And, um, I'm glad I didn't fight him because I'm stupid enough to fight that guy like that. But <laughs> <laughs> um, I de- I definitely would have, and uh, you know. But uh, fortunately, I ha- I didn't have to. And I played against him in Macon. Um, he w- really wasn't doing much. I think. No, actually, I was suspended. So uh, Tom Tom had a good go with him. And, uh, you know, Rennie's a good, honest guy. Um, if you piss him off, he'll do something stupid. Um, you know, he got the nickname for a reason. So, <laughs> but I, I was fortunate enough not to, not to have him as one of my combatants. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Rennie's so, a good dude. And he's, I've had him on the show twice. I had him on the, uh, like I said, the first episode, and then I had him on for the, uh, the LNH special that I did. So, um, always a good dude. And I always bullshit with him on Facebook sometimes and or he'll chime in on some fights that we post. Uh, so it's always a good time and awesome dude. Um, but so, you know, you, you last year, you're wrapping it up and you're in Columbus, you know, how was that last year for you, man? Well, I mean, it's like, I, again, I'm that guy like. Like, I shouldn't have been – I mean, I took three years off, and then I'm coming off – you know, I played six games in Alabama, and then my first game back with Columbus, I, I'm fucking 30, 40 pounds overweight. I have a weight vest on in training camp. These guys are going, who the fuck? I hear about this Doug man, but who the fuck is this guy? And, um, I mean, I'm I'm skating around in training camp with his weight vest on from this cop that used to be, you know, come out and skate with us. He was a goalie. And, uh, you know, he got me this fire, I don't know, it was a bulletproof thing, but 
and it was like 40 pounds. So a skating whole training camp, I was like, I had a tractor trailer on my back. I mean, I'm not fast as it is. And <laughs> so these guys, young guys, I'm like, what the hell? <laughs> this guy, did he really play? And so anyways, I, I ended up, I played uh, 25 games that year. I didn't do very well. I should have stayed retired. I mean, I, or I should have kept playing. And, you know, when I first uh, stopped, I should have went somewhere and played, but I didn't. And so my first game I played, I, I fought three times in the first game. Um, they were saying this one guy, Alipin, was coming to beat me up. I don't even know who this fucking guy is. Like, I've never heard of him. Uh, apparently, someone said he was tough, but, yeah, I mean, I wasn't worried. And I, it turns out he wasn't. So, anyway, the first uh, game I play, he goes and gives uh, Orrin her guy. He's just a little small guy. Um, he cross-checks him or just does something. He's cut open, wide open, just bleeding all over the place. I come across the ice and I end Alton's career. He doesn't even play ever again. And uh, <laughs> then they had this other guy, and I fought twice more in that you know, same game. So my first game, I was kicked out in, the, I think, the second period. Um, I just, I mean, my first game, getting my feet back wet. I'm like, I'm not cut like that, man. Don't, don't put me on the ice if you don't want me to fight. I mean, it's just, just who I am. Right. And so, you know, what, what made you pack it in after that, man? Just, you're just fucking, your body I, taking a toll on you and you just, you know, fuck, fuck this. <laughs> well, to be honest with you, we're playing Winston-Salem and Jason Bone, he's a young guy. I mean, you know who he is. Um, but he, he didn't make his name yet. He, you know, 21 year old, I think I was 32, 33. He's coming challenging me. And I just remembered saying no. And I go, what the fuck just happened? Did I just say no to a challenge? And right there, I knew I lost my heart. And once I lost my heart, I was, I said, I, I was done. I go, once you don't have your heart, like I relied my whole career on heart. I was not a good player. I was not a good fighter. I just relied on my heart. Don't tell me I can't beat you. Don't tell me I can't, you know, do anything. But once I made that comment, I, I said no to that guy. I said, yeah, I'm done. I, I lost it. Yeah, no, I mean, 20, I don't, I don't blame you. It's it's hard to do that role when, you're, when your heart's not in it, too, especially, you know, with how, how tough and mentally and physically it is, so... You know, if your heart's not in it, it's you could end up getting hurt, or you know, like you said, you just you just don't feel it. You know. Yeah, just uh, right there, man. It's like I was sick to my before. I wasn't sick to my stomach. I mean, I'd be playing Memphis, and they'd have or Huntsville, and they'd have you know seven. <laughs> and I mean this in all due respect when I say because I, I thought I was a meathead, but I said you know they'd have seven meatheads on each team, and I mean I was never scared. I was just like, come on, who's first? Let's do it. Let's do it. Like, let's have some fun. And uh, I was never, ever scared. And But that particular moment, I remember it was in Winston-Salem, and that Jason Bone came out. And, he, and again, he didn't have a reputation. He became a tough guy. But I, I remember him challenging me, and I said no. And I've never, ever said no. And I said, fuck that. I'm done. I go, hey, let me, let me go to my wife. Let me start having kids. Let me start my life. And hopefully, you know, my head trauma and all that shit from, you know, my fists, my shoulders, and my three shoulders. Let me just try to, you know, get on with my life now. I think 
Yeah, it was a struggle, man. Like like I said, I never resorted to any drugs. Um, definitely big alcohol user. Um, you know, I'm not drinking a bottle of Jameson like Wilson, but uh, <laughs> you know, I'm definitely drinking a few Miller Lights right now. <laughs> so, and my wife said, "Doug, be careful. You know, you, you slur. You don't realize it, but you slur when you when you're drinking." I said, "Yeah, I'm, I'm all right. I'm not like Tom. I'm not drinking a." I'm not drinking a <laughs> bottle of fucking whiskey before I'm doing a podcast. Oh, yeah, fucking A. Like I yep. said, I think about 45 minutes into that one, I could tell Tom was getting after it. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, he, he's a beauty. You know what? And he's the one who started my journey. Um, so I, I definitely thank him for that. Um, he, uh, <laughs> I don't know how he told, you know, he told the owners of that first fucking team that I'm an idiot. And they still accepted, so maybe they were bad owners. <laughs> I mean, but it, it was it was a fun journey, and uh, again, I didn't play a lot. Like I, I was a, I was my own worst enemy, man. Like you see, one game with Columbus, I uh, played seventeen games. So what happened there? Did you, you see that there? Yeah, yeah, seventeen games, and you got uh, eighty-seven penalty minutes. Yeah, yeah. So what happened there? I mean, we. Our coach uh, sat me and Tom, and this guy Jay Schneider, Matthew Schneider's brother. Um, anyways, sat us for like ten games, and then we're going on a road trip out west. And why the fuck he would sit all of us? Like I'm serious. Like Tom's a heavyweight, or a good fighter, good, and Tom's a, a probably a number three defenseman, number well number four if you're listening, Tom. You know your your side stride was a little questionable with the pivots. But anyways, um, <laughs> so they said all three of us for like 10 games in a row. So we're on this road trip, and they sit us and sit us, and someone gets injured. So they dress Tom. But we had already accumulated this or made this uh, group up. We called us the Boozer Club, me, Jay, and uh, Tom, because we went out to the bars like, fuck, we're on this road trip going uh, Huntsville, Memphis, blah, 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 out west. And so we just went to the bars every night. And then Tom gets in because someone, a defenseman gets injured. So we start just abusing Tom, calling him a loser, that he's no longer a part of our boozer club. And <laughs> anyway, so when we got back off the road trip, and we went to Wichita, San Antonio, Thompson, you know, all the Western swing, get back and uh, I say to Tom, I say, hey, what do you think? He was fucked out. Fuck these guys. So we went in to quit. I was first. So I go in there and I say, all right, guys. I told the GM, Phil Roberto, used to play for the Montreal Canadiens and St. Louis and all that. And Bruce Garber, I said, hey, guys, you obviously don't want me. I mean, you sit me 10 games. I go, fuck, I'm out of here. Trade me or, you know, trade me somewhere or do something. But I, I want to play. There's other teams that can use me. So... They fucking just were like being dicks, whatever. And since then, I've reconciled with all of them. But uh, so I said, "Fuck you!" All right, I'm out of here. Done. Well, Tom goes in there, and they freaking convince him different, <laughs> and so he stays. So now I'm out of a job. So I start pressure washing in Columbus, Georgia. <laughs> I put a little ad out, like with my my picture on there, saying, "Doug Man, I'll knock the the dirt out of grime or something like." You know, and I'm trying to make a living. So, and Tom Wilson fucking, um, he, he bails on me a little, but he told me, 
Anyway, you know, he told me after, he goes, Doug, man, I had no choice when I was in there, you know, they, I guess he was a little more important, but anyways, that, uh, that being said, the next season, so I only played 17 games that year, so I stayed in Columbus and whatever, and, but what was rewarding for me and gave me a little peace of mind on my career is I had five guys at my door during the next training camp getting me to, and the coach didn't call me but I knew what it was. They, they needed me in the playoffs the year before. And so they came to my door and begged me to come to training camp. And I said, all right, I'll, I'll get my fat ass off this recliner and let's do it. And so I had the best year of my life. I scored like, I, like you can see enough there. That's when I scored the winning goal. <laughs> and just had a hell. I mean, I scored more goals in the playoffs than I did, uh, um, than I did in the playoff or in the regular season. Yeah, man, you fucking you managed to put up six points in the playoffs and still put up thirty-one penalty minutes too. So you were fucking getting her done. Well, what was funny about that first round was against Macon, and um, Macon didn't have any ice time, right? So they, uh, so, so anyways, they they had to come practice in our arena, and they left this thing in their dressing room where our, our cleanup guys and all that our, our equipment guys go in. And they had a they had a freaking uh, scouting report, and it said, for example, number fourteen Marcel Richard, you know, prolific goal scorer. Don't leave him; he's very dangerous. Um, you know, um, Jerome Bouchard, heart and soul of the team. Don't get caught in his shit, you know, because you'll he'll win a game for you. Blah blah blah. And it goes down the list, down the list, and it says Doug Man. He's a plus for us when he's on the ice. And so <laughs> they brought the paperwork in our dressing room and showed us this. And I'm going, fuck it. They gave everyone a compliment. Well, now this is Phil Volk's team, and he's good buddies with Graham James, right? <laughs> but I'm the only one who's a – I'm a plus for them on the ice. So I just I just took that as fuck you. And I scored like a few goals in that series. I destroyed them in that series. I mean, I, I, I literally – I think I got three goals in the regular season. And – I just went by the bench. I scored one of my goals, and it was a beautiful goal. Like I put a top shelf pass from Marcel, who was a, like a hundred point goal scorer, and he was never that. He was never that coach's guy where, like, he would always be. He would never be on the first line. But I mean, he's a hundred point goal scorer. <laughs> he feathered one shot to me, like a pass to me, and I just put a top shelf. I went by their bench. I said, "Hey, scouting report wrong," and I just. <laughs> but, I, I after that they just took so many stupid penalties off me. I mean it was just it was ridiculous. Like we beat them just on that alone. Oh, absolutely! Fucking shove it right back in their face, right? Well, it's, like I said, it's insecurity, right? Insecurity with with me. My whole career has been insecurity. My whole life. I mean, you know, I grew up in projects, and I'm like, everything's insecurity. Don't tell me I can't do anything. And then I just been fortunate to be able to capitalize on some of the things at all, but just don't tell me I can't do anything because I'm not stubborn. I'm not stupid. I'm well, gonna do it. Real quick before we wrap it up here, man, because I mean, what a fucking career you had and awesome stories to go along with it. Uh, I gotta ask you, and of course we've mentioned him plenty of times, and it's of course you know Tom Wilson, uh, old Willie. Mm-hmm. You had a fight with him. In like the 2016 Cottonmouth like alumni legends game, 
How, did you guys just, you know, kind of say, let's put on a show for the fans like old times, or what kind of happened there? Okay, so let me tell you something. I've bought Tom probably a hundred times, but that one on YouTube or whatever is is not me, even though he, that's uh, someone else, but it says me on there, um, but it wasn't me. Oh, no shit, um, okay. Now me, now, me and Tom, Tom's been in both my weddings, and we fought the night before my wedding, um, and all my buddies, like I said, we're going back to the rec sale skids and they're all betting on, Hey Tom, cause he got all big and buff and all that, you know, Tom's a big, strong guy. Right. But back in high school, Tom was just like our fourth or fifth fighter. Like, I mean, he just, he was behind all of us rec sale skids. I mean, and, and he was tough. I'm just saying, but he was behind us. And, um, anyway, so, you know, he went and played his first year in Florida, and then I got married when I was in Raleigh, or I was going to get married, but I got married in um, in uh, Rexdale from with a girl from Raleigh, and uh, he, uh, everyone's going, well, I think Tom will beat the shit of you now, Dougie, fuck it, whatever, and some guys said, yeah, Dougie still got it, whatever, but we went out back, and we said the first one to, uh, first one to fall is uh, the winner. That's it. We'll go back to drink beer. This is the night before I got married. Well, anyways, when he fell, no pun intended, I hope you're getting the message, um, the, I had to tie up my shirt, and then we went back in and had beers. But other than that, we, like, I mean, there's so many stories about Tom and Wilson and my, like, we fought so many times. We were coming out of a strip bar, not a strip bar, a uh, gentleman's club is what I like to refer to. Absolutely. And, <laughs> so anyways uh he gets clubbed in the head because we lived in the hood bro and so he gets clubbed in the head with you know the club that you lock a steering wheel with oh yeah so he gets clubbed in, he gets clubbed in the head this is this is just after him and i fought and but me and then my other buddy got an argument because him and i were about to get into it so anyways we go running after the guy me and my buddy greener and this guy turns around, stabs my buddy Greener with a broken bottle, gets in the car, and it was like the movie, just jumps in the window, whatever. We go back to Tom, his face is just mangled. And, uh, you know, we're trying to keep him away from the hospital because his mom was a nurse, whatever. So we, we go to the thing, but um, anyways, his face was mad. This is after fighting me, and then gets hit with the club, and it turns out it was an initiation for, like, the Hell's Angels. Um, it was an, uh, a motorcycle club in uh, Rexdale called Last Hand, and they were trying to get into the Hell's Angels. So, but once I got back to the the people that we know, they're like saying, "You guys fuck with the wrong people here." Like, you know. So me and Tom were leaving for our respective. I, I was coming to Raleigh, and he was coming to um, Lakeland, or no, he was coming to Columbus. And Tom's face is like over on the side of the face. Like his nose is bad. And to this day, it's still bad. It looks like he got punched with a sledgehammer. Anyways, he, uh, you know, we, uh, I said, Tom, do, you, do we need to get these guys? Again, you know, in our neighborhood, that's how we did, you know, like, and so he said, man, let's just, you know, let's go play hockey. Let's forget about this one. And I'm like, all right, that sounds good. So a buddy of ours is at a party like a couple weeks later and he goes, are you the guy who freaking uh, clubbered my buddy with the the, the club there? And um, the guy pulls a gun out of my buddy's head and just goes, yeah. And my buddy goes, oh, no, you're good. I was just checking. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, just checking, man. No, you're good. Yeah, you're good. No, no, you're good. Fuck him. <laughs> yeah, you fucking, you probably deserved it, eh? <laughs> yeah, no, but I mean, it's just crazy, like, um, the things we got away with, like, you know, there's an incident up at Tom's Cottage. It wasn't Tom's, it was near Tom's Cottage, and, uh, I mean, two of her friends got executed, uh, murdered, I mean, over a little, it was, uh, I don't know if it was a drug deal or they were helping a guy with a Jeep uh, pulled over, but a bunch of them were at the, the, the bar and we're going to get in the car and then decide not to go down the road and they were executed in the middle of the road. I mean, it's just been a life of like, that's where we grew up. And, and Tom, Tom grew up on the other side of the river, but he got stuck with us because he he was in our district for high school. So, I want to say that's how he became tough. <laughs> well, there you go. <laughs> that's awesome, man. Well, fucking hey, you know, what a career you had and what awesome stories you fucking were able to share here. And, you know, I can't thank you enough for coming on. This has been awesome. Yeah, no, it's been great. And uh, like I said, I think I caught up to Tom, maybe not for the whiskey, but uh, the amount of beers drank. And so I excuse anyone who was listening and uh, hearing a little slurring. But, I mean, I was threatened, by the way, by my buddies back home. I better be drinking. <laughs> there you go. You got to stay true to your word. That's right. <laughs> well, so. man, fucking, you know, thanks again for coming on. And, uh, you know, you have yourself a good night. All right. All right. You too. Thanks for having me, bud. Yeah, thanks. Fire!